Hello, this is Dr. Jim Polk. Welcome back. The science fiction horror film classic Predator from 1987 was about a trophy hunter from another world stalking humans on Earth and an elite rescue team trying to stop it. One of the team members gets injured and he's bleeding. His response to another member who points this out is, I ain't got time to bleed. Our culture is chock full of supposedly inspirational quotes about dealing with pain, such as, the person who keeps pushing once the pain sets in is the one who will come out on top. And another great one is push through the pain because giving up hurts more. In the early 20th century, there was a prevailing cultural ethos of Stoicism and the belief that individuals, particularly men, should endure pain and discomfort without complaining or seeking time off from work. The Stoic attitude was often seen as a sign of strength and toughness. Taking time off from work due to pain or illness was often stigmatized, and workers might be seen as lazy or unreliable if they requested time off. There was a general expectation that individuals should prioritize work over their own physical well-being. Today, almost everywhere you look, the virtues of taking time off from work, to practice self-care, and to unplug are being pushed. This is a refreshing transition because we increasingly understand the negative effects to mental, emotional, and physical health that overwork causes, and that working too much actually erodes productivity, performance, and work quality. Refreshing, yes. But the old, early 20th century belief that taking time off when dealing with a problem, illness, or crisis is a weakness still prevails no matter what inspirational quotes you see on Facebook and Instagram. Investment banking is notorious for its long working hours, especially for junior analysts and interns. And it's not uncommon for new employees in this field to work 80 to 100 hours a week or more. Medical interns and residents often work 80 hours a week. And labor unions, which once promised factory workers vacation, sick days, and limits on working hours, have all but vanished from America despite the stories you hear on NPR talking about their supposed comeback. Today, the overall unionization rate in the U.S. is a mere 10%, compared to a high 35% in the early 1950s. Regardless, not taking time off or making adjustments to your work schedule while in the midst of a personal crisis is harmful to you, your employer, and your career. Today, we'll take a hard look at why most people don't take time off during a crisis and what experts say you should do to maximize your health, career, and life. Let's get to it. I'm Dr. Jim Polk, and this is An Amazing Career. Hello, this is Dr. Jim Polk, and welcome to An Amazing Career. This podcast is all about equipping you with phenomenal skills, habits, and a mindset that will redefine your limits and help you achieve your maximum potential in your career and in your life away from work. I'm an executive and career coach, as well as a neuropsychologist with over 40 years' experience helping people achieve greatness. So strap in, get ready, and take notes, and prepare to learn how to have an amazing career. At some point, all of us, myself included, will confront a stressful life event or personal crisis that can distract us from our work. It can't be avoided. Maybe it's taking care of an ill family member or a close friend, dealing with your own illness, or coping with a divorce. All of these can be incredibly difficult situations to navigate personally, let alone professionally. 
Should you share whatever's going on with your employer, colleagues, or friends? How do you go about asking for the help that you need? Time off, lightened workload, flexible working hours? How do you know whether you should take a leave of absence, and for how long? And what does that look like? These are complicated issues. But if you've reached the point where you're struggling to stay on top or just to keep up, or you know the quality of your work is worse, you've reached the point where you need to ask for help. But even knowing this, most people won't ask for help. You're asking yourself, well, why not? Well, people are amazing at coming up with reasons not to do something. It's one of those places where we let our creativity shine most bright. (laughs) Oh, boy. Most successful professionals and actually workers from all walks of life do this. Despite their achievements, they often hesitate to take off from work during a personal crisis due to a combination of personal and professional factors. Here are some of the top reasons which ones hit home for you. Dedication and commitment. Successful professionals are often deeply dedicated to their work and feel a strong sense of commitment to their responsibilities and colleagues. They may worry that taking time off will disrupt their work and negatively impact their team or company. Fear of falling behind. Professionals may fear that taking time off will result in a backlog of work or missed opportunities. They worry about losing their competitive edge or missing out on important developments in their industry. Financial concerns. Some professionals may be concerned about the financial implications of taking time off. Perceived expectations. In some workplaces, there may be an unspoken or explicit expectation that employees should prioritize work over personal matters. Identity and self-worth. Success and work-related achievements can become a significant part of a person's identity and self-worth. Taking time off during a personal crisis may make them feel like they're losing a part of themselves or admitting vulnerability. Fear of judgment. Professionals may worry about how their colleagues, superiors, or clients will perceive them if they take time off for a personal reason. They fear being judged as less committed or less capable. Lack of supportive policies. Some workplaces may not have supportive policies in place for employees dealing with personal crises. The absence of paid leave or flexible work arrangements can discourage professionals from taking time off. High workload and responsibility. Professionals in leadership positions or those with heavy workloads may feel an immense sense of responsibility. They may believe that they are irreplaceable and that taking time off would create chaos in their absence. Coping mechanisms. For some individuals, work can serve as a coping mechanism during personal crises. Immersing themselves in their work may provide a temporary distraction from their personal challenges. Lastly, fear of career consequences. There may be concerns about long-term career consequences, such as missed promotions or opportunities for advancement, if they take extended time off. Phew, boy, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? I told you that people can be incredibly creative. So what do all of these have in common? Well, mostly fear and ego, and both are powerful. People will put up with a lot if they're afraid of unwanted or unpleasant consequences and when their positive self-image is threatened. But it's important to note that the reluctance to take time off during personal crises can have detrimental effects on both physical and mental health. Overworking without addressing personal challenges can lead to burnout, reduced productivity, and strained relationships. 
It's essential for employers and individuals to recognize the importance of work-life balance and to have supportive policies and resources in place to help professionals navigate personal crises while maintaining their well-being. Now, this all leads me to think about my client, Susan. Her mother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and dementia a couple of years prior to her meeting me. At first, all Susan had to do was stop by her mother's on her way home from work each day to say hello and to check in on her for 15 to 20 minutes, just to make sure that things were fine. But over time, her mother's condition worsened and she found that more of her spare time was occupied with running her mother to doctor's appointments, shopping for her mother, checking on her a few times a day. She was slowly getting physically worn out. Her own health became erratic and her performance at work, well, it suffered. Her co-workers and her boss had begun to notice this and because she didn't let anyone know what was going on, some thought that she might have a problem abusing substances. She got referred to HR and then to EAP. Really, what she needed was a more flexible work schedule. Most of her mother's medical appointments were first thing in the morning. She also needed to get some help taking care of her mother, but she was so worn out she couldn't think straight. She told me that she'd been afraid to let her company know for several of the common reasons I listed above. For her, it was financial concerns, lack of supportive policies, fear of judgment, and a feeling and a need to be, that she was indispensable. She'd been raised to believe that asking for help was a sign of weakness. So after talking to HR and being referred to EAP, EAP referred her to me. Together, we came up with a plan. It involved getting her signed up for a state program for respite care for her mother four hours a week. She also got her mother enrolled in an adult daycare program three days a week, one which actually picked her mother up and dropped her off at the end of the day. And her employer let Susan come in an hour later each day, and she got some psychotherapy to help her deal with the grief and depression she'd been bottling up. After a couple of weeks, Susan's job performance improved, and she started to feel and act happier. Unfortunately, her mother died about six months after all of this was put into place, which was another thing that she had to deal with, which she did quite well at. But that six months of extra help made the quality of her life and her mother's life much better, and it saved her career. Susan now volunteers one night a week to run a support group for adult caregivers, and two of her co-workers actually attend the group. So here's a formula to get you through a tough time. First, decide what kind of help you need, and don't let your pride or fears get in the way. Begin by taking stock of the resources that you have available to you, both outside and inside your organization, to help you get through a crisis. Could team members cover some of your responsibilities for a while? Could friends or family help out? What you need may not actually be that much. Possibly you only need to leave work early one day a week for a couple of months. Figure out what will help ease the pressure. Next, and this seems to go against what I just said, but once you figure out what you need, consider how important privacy is to you. Remember, you haven't taken action yet. I've just asked you to figure out what you need. Consider your standing in the organization. In some cases, it might be dangerous to disclose your situation. Think about things like, what kind of culture am I working in? Are there formal procedures for handling this? Do I need to go to HR, or are there helpful people in my section who could help out? Are they going to treat me humanely, or do I need to consider how to protect myself? So if it feels like it's not safe, 
consider letting some close colleagues know what's going on in your personal life and about your dilemma. And let them know that it's interfering with your work, so they know it's not just you slacking off. And if that isn't possible, well, you're going to have to let someone in the organization know if things don't look like they're going to improve anytime soon. Next, set boundaries. You don't need to explain your troubles in agonizing detail with everyone. Set boundaries for yourself and for others. You can turn to close colleagues for the most personal conversations, but keep in mind that most people don't want to know every detail about your parents' dementia. They want to know the pertinent information and how it's going to affect them. It can also be tough to repeat the details of a sad situation, so don't hesitate to redirect the conversation back to work if a colleague keeps inquiring about the details. You're asking for help with supporting you in your job, not to be a sounding board. Next, when you ask for help, be specific about what you need. In a perfect world, when you share what's going on with your coworkers, they'll say, Hey, I'm going to do this for you. Are you okay with that? But if your coworkers aren't forthcoming, ask for it explicitly and be thoughtful about how you ask for help. Making a request specific and describing just why and how their help is meaningful to you heightens the likelihood you'll get the assistance you need. Most of us assume that the importance of a request is obvious, but it rarely is. And with any request you make at work, give a deadline. For instance, say, I'd love your help over the next two weeks while I'm caring for my father. Would you be able to complete the report we've been working on? It'd free up my mind to focus on what I need to do at home. Another requirement, you eventually have to approach your boss. It's a good idea to let your employer know what's going on if the situation you're dealing with is going to go on for more than a couple of weeks, assuming you feel comfortable. But it's best to have a good idea or plan on how you're going to deal with the problem first. Then, review your tentative plan with them, outlining how long you expect to be absent or working less and the people you've already discussed the possibility with. Then ask for your employer's input. Ultimately, do what's right for you. There's no right or wrong answer when someone's handling a crisis. Some might find comfort in the distraction that coming to work every day might offer. So for some, work can be curative. For others, a reduced workload or an official leave might be better. But either way, if you don't believe you're able to function at a high level and that your work will be sub-caliber, it's likely better to take time away and focus on what you need to get done. If you don't do something to allow yourself to grieve, to get more rest, or to get things done, you'll suffer longer and your work may reach such a low level that you can't recover from it. So to quickly rehash, do determine what type of support you need at work and at home. Tell your colleagues what's happening so that they can feel compassion for your situation. And make clear, specific requests. And don't feel like you have to tell everyone directly or share every detail of your situation. Take the time to figure out what you need and ask for it. You're worth it. If you need help with what we've looked at today or anything relating to your career, consider checking in with my career masterclass that happens each Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on Zoom. Shoot me an email at drjimpolk at protonmail.com to sign up or sign up on my website at drjimpolk.com. 
I'm Dr. Jim Polk, and this has been an amazing career. See you soon.